About seven or eight years ago, my wife Catherine and I were preparing to go on the mission field overseas. We felt burdened in our heart for the lost of the world, and we wanted to go and to serve as international missionaries. We had started the application process with the International Mission Board. We told our parents that we were going to move overseas with their three grandchildren, and we were getting ready to go. And so as we began to pray uh, about where we ought to go, and we're fasting and praying, the Lord said, as clear as I can ever hear him speak into my heart, uh, that it wasn't our, our uh, responsibility to go uh, as missionaries overseas, that he had a different assignment for us, uh, that he had gifted me to be a, a pastor in the local church, and that he wanted us to stay. And so we were confused <laughs> because not only were we willing to go, we wanted to go, right? I mean, it's, it's hard enough to get people to be willing to go, uh, but we, we wanted to go uh, and to do this. And so we began to pray about that and what it was that God really was, was calling us to do. And he made it very clear in our hearts that he wanted us to stay because he wanted us to serve in the local church and to mobilize the church for missions and to multiply ourselves out over and over and over again. And so when we come to a day like today, it really means a lot to me because I believe that the only reason that my family's not overseas is because a day like today that we would be here to help mobilize and multiply our church family out over to the ends of the earth. Because our passion for missions didn't change. God just had a different part for us to play. And God has created each and every one of us to have a relationship with him. That's true for every single person on earth. But the problem is that over half of the people on the planet are unreached. And God has called for us as his church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth to tell people that have never heard the name of Jesus that he loves them and that he desires to save them and to bring them into his family. And all of us have a part to play in God's global mission. Now a lot of you as you were entering in, the ushers handed you a, a puzzle piece. I want you to imagine a puzzle uh, that is a picture of the whole world like this. And each of us has a part to play in this puzzle piece. God is putting each of us into a place that he's designed for you to be, just like he designed for me to be. You have an assignment. You have a mission. You have a purpose. You're a part of this puzzle. And when we all do our part, the puzzle comes together. We see the, the whole world reached for Christ. But if we are lazy or if we are consumed with the world's things or if we're distracted by other, uh, other things in this earth, then we miss out on what God has called for us to do. And we end up with what we have now, which is whole swaths of the planet in spiritual darkness. And we can't be okay with that. And so Greenlight began as a dream to train and to inspire our church family to go because as a church we have a vision to 
to adopt an unreached people group on every inhabited continent of the earth. As a church, we have a vision to plant churches in cities across North America. As a church, we have a vision to help declining churches in the city of Knoxville. We end every one of our worship services with the, with the commission that we are sent to Knoxville and the nations to remind ourselves of this calling to go. And so green light is this charge. It's the charge for each of us to find our part in God's global mission. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I ask you to stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. The word of God says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you. You may be seated. So today, as we are hearing God's word, the action step for you today is this. I want for you to find your place in God's global mission. I want you to be praying and seeking God to find your place in God's global mission. So as we look at this passage of scripture today, the first thing that we see in this passage is that we have authority for missions. We can stand on the authority of Christ to proclaim the gospel to a lost world with boldness. In verse 19 it says, go therefore and make disciples. And so when, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask what's it there for? What's it, what's it referring to? And the object's found back in verse 18. Back in verse 18, it says, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so the authority is the authority and the power of God. And Christ showed this authority through his resurrection where he was the victor over sin and over death and over hell. He was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And then in verse 19, he turns and he extends this authority to his disciples. He says, all of this authority is mine. Therefore, you go and do this task. And that's because we belong to him. We are his servants. We're the very body of Christ. And so the Great Commission is an extension of his very ministry. When we go out, we go out in the power of Christ. When we go out, we go out in the name of Christ. When we go out, we go out with the authority of Christ. This commission is not just a first century charge. It's not just a command for the 12. It's a command for the church throughout the ages, including you and including me. Lottie Moon, who was one of our foreign missionaries to China, said, Why did one million Southern Baptists only have one man and three women witnessing to 30 million souls? She wrote, a Christian should ask himself not if it's his duty to go to the heathen, but if he may dare stay at home. The command is so plain to go. And so because we have this 
authority of Christ for this task, we now have boldness in doing it. We're not some fly-by-night operation. We are sent out in the power and the authority of the God of the universe. And this is important because there are many today that would question why we go, why we tell. Who do we think we are that we would go and change a person or that we would go and disrupt a culture? That's a question that people ask. They find it offensive to proselytize. They would say, you know, when you go to India, the people there, the culture there is Hindu. When you go to North Africa, the people there, the, the culture there is, is Islamic. When you go to China, the people there, the culture there is, is atheist. But what if that weren't the case? Why does that have to be the case? What if North Africa were instead associated with Christianity? Because it was for the first 600 years after Jesus' life. Alexandria, Egypt was a center of Christian study. Augustine that, that we still read today was from Hippo, which is in modern-day Algeria. It was Christian at one point. A news story reveals that the rate at which Christianity is growing in communist China would make it the most Christian nation by population by the year 2030. That there are so many people coming to faith in Christ. Imagine a day that we look at China and go, that's a Christian nation. So why do we go and tell? Because we have the authority to do it. We have been sent out by Christ. And we can boldly proclaim good tidings of great joy to all the people. And so we have an authority for missions. But the second thing that I want us to note in this passage today is that we have to have obedience for missions. We have this authority, so what's the holdup? What's, what's the issue, what's the problem? Because the church of the 21st century has more financial resources than at any point in the history of the church. The church of the 21st century has more education, more theological training than at any other point in the history of the church. The church of the 21st century is larger than any other time in the history of the church. The church of the 21st century has resources such as air travel and the internet and social media that other generations did not have. And so what is missing? Obedience. Obedience. The Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. The church has been given an assignment, a mission. And that mission is to spread the gospel to all the world. To take the hope of salvation that we've received and share it with those that have never heard of Christ. You see, we believe that it really is a command from God for his people. It's not something that we get to opt out of. It's not something that only a select few people take part in. It's not something that's too big or too scary or too much for us. Because we have the authority of Christ. We have the power of Christ to go and to do it. And there's an expectation from God that we would go. Missions isn't just a, a last-minute add-on to God's story. Missions is threaded through the whole of Scripture. In fact, one church leader said, 
If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. God began his word by telling Adam and Eve to go and to fill the whole earth in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. He tells Abraham that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through his seed. In Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. When he brought his people into the promised land, he told Joshua that he brought them there so that they would be a witness unto the world. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, he says, This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. When the Hebrew people started writing worship to God, they were extolling the name of God among all the nations of the earth. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 24, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. In Psalm 22, 27, it says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. When God spoke to his people through his prophets, he was reminding them that they were to uh, be a light unto the Gentiles, a light unto the ends of the earth. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, he says, My name will be great among the nations. From the rising of the sun to its setting, incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. When you get to the New Testament, of course, God sends his very son, Jesus, to be our salvation. And Jesus told his disciples that they were to be sent out with this good news. In John 17, 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he gathers all of them together before he ascends to be with the Father. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, when we come to the very end of Scripture, we see the culmination of God's global mission. In Revelation chapter 7 and verses 9 and 10, where John says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation and tribe and people and language that no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who's seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This has always been the plan. From the beginning to the end, God's people have always been his plan for spreading this good news. And so the question is, will you go? Will you go? We all have a, a part to play in God's global mission. We'll participate in different ways and in different degrees. Some, some are going to pack up their families and move to another part of the world. There are, I am praying that there are people that are sitting in this room that will go do that. There are people that will start churches in other cities around our country. I am praying that there will be people that will do that. 
There will be people that will move to a dying church in our city to help revitalize it. I am praying that there are people sitting here that will go do that. There will be those that will go for shorter periods of time to bring the gospel to unreached people groups. I am praying that you would do that. There will be those that are going to give to support the work of the gospel. I'm praying that you're going to do that. All of us are going to be praying together for the Spirit of God to move upon those who haven't heard. All of us must participate. Because, as one missionary says, people are still waiting at the other end of our obedience. Missions is not just some box that we check off on our religious duties list. It's not something that we just do for a week every couple of years. Missions is all day, every day. It's a lifestyle. It's living on purpose in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, among your family. It's the gospel overflowing out of you. It shouldn't be be something that's Weird. It shouldn't be something that just certain people get to do. We need to normalize missions. It should be normal. It should be an expectation that we go. Like when you when you go through the new members class, there's a there's a passport application in the back, right? Here's here's your passport. You need to get ready to go. It should be normal. That, that you're a part of, a, of an E-team, an evangelism team that's reaching our city for Jesus. It, it should be normal and an expectation among us that we hold one another to. It should be normal that you're out sharing the gospel. It should be normal that God calls our children to go to the nations. Because we're living it in front of them. And we should stop trying to talk them out of that. Parents and grandparents. I mean, that's what our E-teams are all about. It's doing missions right here just like you would over there. And that's, that's part of our discipleship journey pathway that's designed for all the people of our church family to be a part of. Taking the gospel to the A group, the anyone group, so that they would hear about Jesus, they would believe, they would become part of the B group, the big group that you're in today. That's something that all of us are a part of. And it's a matter of obedience. And so we see the authority for missions. We see obedience for missions. So how do we get started? Thirdly, I want us to see our assignment for missions. Where do we go? Who are we to reach? What are we supposed to do? He tells us in verse 19, go and make disciples of all the nations. He uses the Greek phrase there, panta ta ethne, which means all the ethnic groups. And so that means that there's no peoples that God doesn't want to know him. There's no people group that God doesn't want to worship him. There are no nations that are outside of the love of God. There are no cities that God doesn't care about. There's no neighborhoods that God doesn't love. The target of missions is every person everywhere. I don't think there's a wrong place to go. God mostly cares that you do go after the lost sheep. And so as a church, we need to stop trying to get away from lost people and start trying to get to lost people. Instead of just going to church, we need to try to get the church going. 
And instead of, of staying in these comfortable parts of Christendom where the church is well established, we need to pioneer out into the great unknown. Because our mission is to win lost men and women to King Jesus. Imagine if here on the stage there was a giant log and I pulled 10 of you up out of the congregation. I said, I need y'all to help lift this log. We got to move it to the back of the, off the stage out of the sanctuary. And so eight of you got over here on this end of the log and two of you got over here on this end of the log and you started to lift. How do you think that that would go? Not very good, right? So what, what do we need to do? We need to get more of those people over here to this end of the log so that we can help lift it, right? Well, this is a pretty accurate picture of what Christian work looks like around the world. You have the majority of our Christian workers in the United States, particularly in the south of the United States, and then we have some brothers and sisters who are trying to do some heavy lifting out on the other end. And we desperately need to get more workers into the harvest field. John Keith Falconer says, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. So that's why our church has a goal of adopting an unreached people group on every inhabited continent of the earth. That's why. Because it's not okay that there are billions of people around the world that have little to no access to the gospel. That every day are waking up and they're, they're worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars and, and they're worshiping on high places and, and down in filthy rivers and they're following after dead prophets that can't save them. They're believing that there's no such thing as a God and they're following after religious rituals as a way to try and save themselves and what they need is Jesus. Of the 6.8 billion people who live on the earth, statistics tell us that 3.9 billion of them are unreached, which is 57%. So what do you mean by unreached? I'm glad you asked. It means that less than 2% of the population is evangelical Christian among that people group. Less than 2%. And so that means that someone did want to go to church, there's more than likely not even one there for them to go to. I mean, we, you probably drove by 10 churches to get here this morning. Among South Asian peoples in countries like India and Cambodia and Laos, 85% of the people there are unreached. Among North African and Middle Eastern peoples in countries like Jordan and Egypt, and Morocco, 98.6% of the people are unreached. 98.6%. That's not even the most unreached place in the world. If you go to Central Asia and countries like Turkmenistan and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, 99.8% of the people are unreached. 99.8%. And so we can't just act like these places don't exist. 
that there aren't billions and billions of people who live there, where there are people that are born and who grow up and who go to school and they get married and they have kids and they raise a family and they die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. And they have no clue that there's true salvation from their sin, that God loves them and wants a relationship with them. There are billions of people just like that all over the world. Where you can stand in a city like this one in this picture and you can look out over this particular city and there are many, many just like it and know that almost every person that you see in that picture is dying and going to hell. Because it's over 99% unreached. And so that's our assignment. Something has to change with that. The fourth and last thing that I want us to see in this passage this morning is the urgency of missions. Something has to change, right? No one likes when you're in a line at a, at a stoplight and the light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't go, right? You ever been in that position before? Maybe you even kind of hit the horn a little bit just to remind them that they ought to be going, that the light's changed. I'm telling you today that the light has changed, that it's green and it's time to go. And so don't be that person sitting there scrolling through your phone at the light holding up traffic because there are people who need to hear this gospel of Jesus Christ. If we believe that the Bible is true, the Bible is very clear that if you die without a personal relationship with Jesus as your Savior, where you've called on him to forgive you of your sins, that you will spend an eternity separated from God in hell. That's what the Bible says. And I think that we know that intellectually, but I need you to know that in your heart. You need to know that. That there are real people that you know. And there are real people that you will never meet that if a person doesn't share the gospel with them, they will die without faith in Christ and they will spend an eternity in hell. And based on the global statistics of the population of the world, the percentage of evangelical Christians in the world, almost one million people die and go to hell every single week. A million people. Between the time that you come in here today and the time that you come back here at 9.30 next Sunday, a million people will die and go to hell. That is five times the population of Knoxville that die and go to hell every week. And they're real people. They're somebody's neighbor. And somebody's friend, and somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's granddad, somebody's grandmom, somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's daughter, somebody's son. K.P. Yohannan founded a mission organization called Gospel for Asia. He tells a story 
about a letter that he received from a missionary in India who was um, serving in India and was met a, a young lady as part of this uh, religious festival, this Hindu festival, where they believe that they're reincarnated every time after they die into a new person and they're trying to, to get rid of their sins by living better lives and, and increasing in reincarnation. And they believe that if they go down into the Ganges River there, that they can be washed and cleansed of their sin, that they, they view the river as a, as a god. And I want you to hear this story that he tells from this missionary. And a letter came to me some years ago from the mission field and my wife brought it to me and said, would you please read this? And I was sitting in my office in Dallas on a comfortable chair. I finished reading the letter. I was weeping on my knees. Letter came from a dear brother, a native missionary that worked in Hardwar by River Ganges. During that couple of weeks' time, 35 million Hindus walked and traveled by train and bullock carts and buses from all over the country to go in this dirty, polluted waters of River Ganges, washing themselves for the forgiveness of sins. This one missionary working among these people, telling about Jesus, one evening he was coming home. And now in the letter, he writes the experience what happened that evening. He said, I saw this young woman sitting by the bank of the river, weeping uncontrollably and pounding upon her chest. Knowing something so terrible happened, I went to her and asked, why are you weeping? What happened? She replied, my husband is sick. He cannot work anymore. My sins are so many that nobody knows about. To find forgiveness for my sins and solution to the problems of my home, I have given the best offering I can give to God as Ganges. My only son, my six-month-old baby boy, I just threw him into the river. Next paragraph. I sat beside her, explained to her the gospel. Her sins are forgiven 2,000 years ago, I explained to her. That God is not angry with her. God didn't make her poor. He writes, as I explained the gospel to her, all of a sudden she wiped her tears and looked straight into my eyes and said these words, but why didn't you come to me Half hour sooner, I didn't have to kill my child. I never heard this before. But why didn't you come to me half hour sooner? Carl F.H. Henry writes that the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. You see, this message is urgent. The light is green, and it's time that we would go. So Christians, this morning, the action step for us is to find our place in God's global mission. What part do you play? 
It's time to go to Knoxville and to the nations. It's, it's not just a catchy phrase that we thought would be a, a neat way to end the service. It's literally what we do. And that might mean living on purpose, joining an E-team here locally. As you are out in the atrium and down the hallway, you see all sorts of teams that you can be a part of in sharing the gospel here in our city week after week, day after day, month after month. It might mean that you sign up to go on a mission trip to, to help one of the churches that we're planting here in the United States. It might mean that you sign up to go to work with one of our partners to, to reach unreached peoples in another part of the planet. It might mean that God is speaking to your heart about you or your family going and being missionaries in his kingdom. It might be that God is calling you to go and to help start a church somewhere. Are you going to answer his call today? Are you going to go? During this time of response, there's altar is always open, and I want to encourage you to pray about your part in God's global mission. I want you to pray about these billions of people around the world that don't know Jesus, that God would call out laborers into his harvest field. There may be some in here this morning who don't have this personal relationship with Jesus in your life. And you hear us talking about how important this is that we would literally give hundreds of thousands of dollars and lots of time and energy and resources to get people this message all over the world. I want you to know this message is for you sitting in this place today. It's for you watching online today that God loves you. That he desires this relationship with you. That Jesus came down to earth and down on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He rose from the dead to give you life and forgiveness and victory over sin today. That you could be born again and become part of his kingdom. And so maybe this is a decision that you need to make in your heart. I'm going to be here at the front. There's going to be other leaders here at the front during our time of response. You come and say, this is the decision that I need to make in my life today. But however God is speaking to you, now is the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we give you thanks this day for your word, for the challenge that you have given us in your word. God, may we take seriously the commission of your church to go and to make disciples of all the nations starting here in Knoxville and going to the ends of the earth God I pray that our hearts would be open to your calling on our lives as we seek out what part we play in God's global mission God may we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unto you this day God may you move in our hearts may you burden us for the lost like never before God I pray for those that are here that don't have a relationship with you 
praying that today would be the day that they would call on Jesus for forgiveness of their sins. That they would be born again into the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name.